32 counties. United by people. My name is Una. My name is Andrea. And this is United, United Ireland. Ireland. Every week on United Ireland, we go under the hood of issues in Ireland, uh, beyond the headlines, bringing you smart people who know what they're talking about. Pretty smart people on today's podcast, I have to say. <laughs> It's just us. <laughs> Um, you will may have seen our latest episode of Byline pop up. It's been a while. Byline is our companion series that uh, talks to really, really smart journalists about the stories that matter. And this month it's Isabel Hayes. Fascinating insights into what the job of being a court reporter is. Um, Izzy has done some really amazing reporting recently uh, on the Munster child abuse case. So yeah, trigger warnings on the podcast in terms of the topics that it covers because she does cover a uh, serious crime and, uh, but really, really, um, really interesting, uh, diff very different kind of job to other, other reporting. So enjoy that. If we were in and just like that, we'd press the button there, like trigger warnings. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to get one of those. We definitely don't. Um, if you want us to continue to bring you these kind of, kinds of amazing uh, conversations, then why don't you support us on Patreon? Patreon.com forward slash United Ireland. Uh, it's three euros a month. I, like we have been upping our listenership in like major ways. I was looking at the stats yesterday. Andrea just crunch, crunching some numbers and metrics. Vis-a-vis -vis the performance and the output versus how we're going to move forward in Q2, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah, check, yeah, check, yeah, check, yeah. check. Um, so our, actually our listenership is like crazy big at the moment um, and is growing. But our patrons is like hanging around to like the loyal, the loyal OGs. There are people um, jumping on then, now and then. But we would love for more to jump on so we can do more things because we have some plans. Um, so please patreon.com forward slash United Ireland, three quid, uh, a month. And that's pretty good going. I think for, you get the Sunday soothe, you get different rewards depending on what you, uh, sign up for. Um, you get to, uh, get all these bonus episodes that we do and all that kind of crack. I want to shout out some of our new, uh, people like Chris McCormick. Hey, Chris. And uh, yeah, sign up. It's a vibe. Now, Andrea, this is an interesting episode because it is born out of one of our uh, late night signal conversations um, where you were just like, well, you tell me about it because this is this is a topic that you want to discuss and it's about the national psyche. Small, small issue. Read my message. Would that be weird? Um, um, yeah, as long as I don't like, I'm bitching about someone or something in the reply. Am I? We would. The pure snow sounds that we are. Jeez Louise. Okay. So this is my suggestion. I said, God, it feels very vulnerable reading this out. I feel very beaten down about everything at the moment. It feels unsurmountable and like we hold no power when everything is so corrupt and being allowed to be led by 
the market. I know our podcast is about highlighting the changes we can make, but maybe we could do an app about reinvigorating people, namely me, about the change they can bring about, or I don't know, do something to deal with the frustration people must be feeling if I'm feeling it. I literally thought we could change the world and now it feels like we're being beaten and that you have to have money to bring about any good in the city. And then that throws up all my beliefs into the air about who owns the city, etc. blah, blah, blah. I think we need something inspirational right now. I feel like the fight in me is gone. So I do not feel like this. <laughs> and so I was saying to Andrea, like, you know, I think people need to recuperate and mind themselves and, you know, things will get better. And and there is a lot of stuff that's really shitty at the moment. Um, but for me, this is a time to kind of actually give ourselves a break. So we're going to talk about... Um, this feeling of being at the end of one's tether or feeling overwhelmed with various things that are going on in the news uh, globally and in Ireland, being frustrated at this kind of, you know, maybe lack of change or just annoyed that stuff is um, just kind of below standard, I suppose, is a, um, an understatement. And uh, what you can do if you do feel like that, because I actually feel quite buzzy at the moment. So do you think you're great? <laughs> well, listen. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I actually do. I'm proud of myself for getting through January. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about that. So whether you're on and Andrea's tip of not really vibing with the world at the moment. <laughs> Or whether you are like, yeah, I think actually maybe this is the the time for potential and and that it's things just will so get better. Disconcerting because I've always been an optimist of like, no, we'll change it, we'll do it, or, and I was like, oh come on. Anyway, we'll get into it. Let's we'll go. get into it. We'll get into it. So this is um, uh, this is the wear out episode, uh, despair in decompression, or hope right now. Uh, we'll be getting into that. But before all that, it's a state of the nation. Andrea, what's bringing you down? <laughs> well, firstly, we have the little old thing of the Russians circling our waters, um, which is a little um, off-putting, shall we say. Um, and basically... Uh, Dick swinging and ego uh, showing as Russia highlights our weak point in their ongoing onslaught against Europe to regain control of Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, fuck them, basically. I mean, you know, any war. Oh, perfect. Fuck them. War, <laughs> weapons, <laughs> military exercise, exercises that like have sh like blasting rockets into the sea. Just like fuck off. You know, I saw something. Oh, I really wish I had a better memory because it was something about the re-pitching of arms as like, like a health. Oh, lethal aid. It's lethal called aid. the Americans. Well, the Americans are so amazing at coming up with all of these disgusting um, terms. You know, collateral damage and extraordinary rendition and enhanced interrogation techniques. Um, so torture, torture and, yeah, and, uh, and bringing people to black sites to like fucking torture them so you can shove them in Guantanamo Bay despite the fact that they've done nothing or shipping weapons that to kill people. Um, so I'd like to say that we are not making any accusations. 
Oh, I just like fuck every, you know, weapon in the world and every single warmongering uh, maniac in charge of anything. It's kind of scary as well that we're like, we're obviously seeing, well, we need to start a defense for our country. We can't be neutral anymore. Like we've no like uh, radars or we've no nothing. We need to up our, up our ante. We've got three ships circling Ireland of our own like yeah i mean i just feel like we need to be a beacon of peace and why yeah, not just be friends <laughs> well look I, I mean i just that's what i i just feel like any type of military aggression should be met with a discussion about how ludicrous and that is and the fact that people are just like sitting in a country right now in europe terrified of this aggression is Appalling as it is everywhere that happens. Um, speaking of extraordinary renditions, uh, Stephen Donnelly. What does, what does that mean? Extraordinary rendition is when they would basically um, illegally uh, having moved having moved people who were caught uh, arrested, probably illegally by the Americans and brought them to like these black sites around the world where they were interrogated by the CIA and stuff. Extraordinary rendition is when they're like shipping them off uh, in planes to Guantanamo and stuff like that. And that's what the Americans were one evidence of one of the things that they were doing in Shannon in terms of like actually shipping people um, illegally uh, in planes to Guantanamo Bay um, having committed you know, with no trials, with n- nothing like that. Um, you know, the the American use of Shannon, absolutely appalling, and we should have no role in any of this kind of bullshit war imperialist crap. And uh, long may the resistance to all of that continue. So, but yes, extraordinary rendition, uh, not being uh, bundled into planes with uh, hoods over their heads in Shannon. However, um, SecGen... Um, Moneybags, Robert Moneybags Watt and Stephen Donnelly have said, look, we know that there's this massive scandal about, you know, uh, prescriptions and medicating children in Kerry and all this kind of stuff. But we have a wellness and medical conference to go to in Dubai. And that's where we'll be. So they've gone off there um with Robert Walsh having also been like, I'm not going to talk about my salary uh, because it's none of your business, despite the fact that it's plebs. But <laughs> plebs, despite the fact that it's paid for by the taxpayer. P.S. I have taken up my 81,000 euro cheeky little bony bony um, that was signed off on when I also happened to be in the department that does all this salary stuff. And then I just went to health and there's nothing wrong with that. And I won't be going to a committee to talk about it. So see you at Nobu in Dubai. <laughs> and how dare you ask me this, the absolute audacity. I think you should be like, Robert, what? <laughs> what? What? Sorry, the photograph that the Indo used was so good. It's literally him. Oh, he's doing the two fingers, yeah. Over his face, he's literally like, oh, beautiful picture. A classic of the genre. Uh, Robert, say what? Robert, what? Uh, Give him the two fingers to people. 
Of course, you know, the way some journalists write about this is like, you know, he's a strong personality. He cuts through the noise. He, you know, isn't afraid of backing out of an argument. And it's like, right, yeah, I can probably tell what kind of guy this is. Um, Oh, who wrote us or who? No, no, the, you know, this kind of, you know, the way um, some male journalists, um, you see it a lot in business journalism, where they write these kind of like, you know, uh, he's not a ma- he's not afraid to you know uh, get straight to the point or you know they write these things kind of lionizing these really kind of prickish characteristics of people thought, yeah. and you know and it's just like oh well you know that's just the cut and thrust of business and it's like well mm, I don't know maybe the person's not very pleasant um, you kind of got some of those vibes about uh, uh, Robert Watts you know strong negotiation style and uh, you know yeah, shouting yeah. shouting through the corridors of government buildings I'm like. That sounds really professional. Cool. Um, but don't don't question him because he's the man. He's the man to do it. You know, sometimes you just need a strong masculine personality to keep things in check. And as we can all tell, going really well in the Department of Health. Um, nothing to see here. It's no issue about maybe they, these people should be at their desks sorting out cams who are dealing with some of the most vulnerable children in our society and their, their, their issues that they have after this scandal happened to Kerry. No, 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 no. Don't. I wonder if they sat together because wasn't there the big scandal of Stephen Donnelly getting annoyed at the Department of Health because they wouldn't put him in their Twitter feed? Well, yeah. Well, maybe they can just like come up with a hashtag or, you know, just like Dubai is always popping off on the gram. So maybe Stephen can, you know, get some vibes going. And hashtag namaste. (laughs) Namaste in Dubai. Stephen Donnelly with a jade face roller. Stephen Donnelly with cryo balls, getting those like puffy bags out under your eyes. I do have to say wellness is very important if this is mental healthy stuff. I think it's more just like a conference. I don't know, we have to go to one Dubai like as well. Ugh, anyway. Okay. Um, Working from home, um, is a thing. I don't know if you guys heard about it. Go on. How does it work? Well, basically, um, it's a combination of hybrid and blended not going to the office. And anyway, Leo Vradker, uh, champion of the worker, as we know, has uh, brought forward um, a bill, a WFH uh, bill, working from home bill or workers' rights bill or something like that. Uh, and part of this is... is um, it's not that workers should be given the opportunity to work from home that would be a sound bill to bring about no No. the fact that they can ask like surely anyone can ask anything you don't need a law to exactly you're allowed to ask things you you have the right to request remote working (laughs) um now then the employee the employer has the the right of 13 very broad (laughs) no reason reasons ways you can say no um, look, this is just like, you know, uh, Fine Gael is, um, you know, really good at kind of doing, not doing things or like the, their way of trying to get people back into offices. Yeah. Basically. Like, we, we want people back in offices. So we're going to pacify the workers by saying, guys, we've have this bill. You can ask to work from home. But your employer can say no 13 ways. Yeah. Um, It's also like, obviously, Fine in freak out mode about commuter belt um, 
which I just hate that term. But anyway, people, but that's what, that's how our planning is so shit that that's what happens. People have to live outside the city and then commute towards it. Um, so commuter belt votes in, in various, uh, you know, Cork, Galway, Dublin, you know, they're just like hemorrhaging those obviously because of uh, their, the housing crisis that they designed. Um, so this is a way to try and like be like, no, 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 we're doing all this shit for like working from home. But what I think is so mad is it's kind of superfluous because it, I feel that it is definitely like an employee's market out there. Mm. And I just think that anybody who tries to be like, no, you can't do this, you can't do that in terms of employers, people just leave. Like everyone I know is just like quitting their jobs and going somewhere else or doing, you know what I mean? Um, so I guess if you have like, and I don't see people in the private sector, for example, going through all the steps that this bill lays out of like, well, you know, if there, it's on, if it's refused on a different ground, then you can progress something to the, um, WRC, the work, uh, the, 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 the commission and then go through all this process. Like people in the private sector just aren't going to do that shit, but maybe people in the public sector will. So maybe this is actually about like, how do we appease civil servants and, and that kind of stuff. So maybe it's more about that. Um, of course, Robert Watt is working from WFD uh, this week. <laughs> um, what else is going on? Uh, the Science Gallery sadly has closed, which is very sad. Even with the intervention of two ministers, it couldn't be saved. And it just really highlights how much value we put on amenities that are providing a really good service, popular, um, and just can't keep the capital rolling I suppose not I don't mean I mean capital money as opposed to capital city but I suppose it stands for both um so we now have an area that's uh, very devoid of anything and another educational space uh, that really did good things is gone um Michael Martin was talking about it during the week and he didn't really seem to no, I mean, he was saying like, um, you know, it needs a new, they need to develop a new model and it needs a new vision and stuff like that. But like, it just seems to be, I don't know, is it still going on? Like there's a protest apparently taking place on Friday and I mean, hopefully something can be hammered out about it. But mm. um, anyway. Uh, but finally, the Dublin Development Plan, you know, those plans that are just actually bypassed by anyone who <laughs> wants to do what they want. <laughs> um, gosh, what do you mean you're in a very defeatist mode? Anyway, the Dublin Development Plan that all our elected democracy uh, officials spent a lot of time on um, is open for public submissions for the next three weeks. Um, so you can have your say in what will be steamrolled anyway. And... <laughs> and have your input into what our city could look like. <laughs> if, if you happen to like red brick hotels that pay another could, that just put logos on each different one of them. With all of the same oh my God. If that's you... what your vision is, you're in luck. <laughs> because that is what you're getting. If you want to and... have another two decades of <laughs> Green Party politicians saying things like, what about live above the shop? but nobody actually doing anything to facilitate that. This is your opportunity. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know I'm what we need, really need to do, Andrea? We need to make a public plaza in front of Trinity. 
<laughs> do you know it'd be fab if we had this plaza that people could use but we're actually going to close it off because <laughs> people need hotels built and those hotels need storage and if that's where the public are using well you know they need it oh my god i saw um somebody um saying the other day I read some article or whatever that Hackney Borough Council had just um there's you know the Ridley Road market they'd basically yeah. just like bought the the bunch of floors of the building and they're preserving it for all the traders and 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 uh everybody all the local businesses and stuff there and it's like wow imagine like a council actually doing something like that for like the community <laughs> instead of, like why you know just all this stuff that is being um demolished and and redeveloped and it's like I'd really like to see a graph about how much public land has been depleted over the past 20 years mm. how many things that were actually owned by the council were handed over to private developers how many things that were um you know well, how is the city going to be built if developers don't take them over and build these red brick white cement what's that stuff called in the middle of bricks it's literally grouting grout, white grout on Is red bricks with black uh, hardware yeah and it's like oh my god I can't see these buildings anymore they're literally the cheapest thing you could possibly build with not one bit of design, not one bit of vision, like our legacy is just going to be disgusting. Like, what are we going to think? Anyway, there is a, a group called Save Portobello Plaza on Instagram, and they have a, a protest uh, next Wednesday, the February the 2nd at 6.30 p.m. They are uh, mounting the fight against the privatization of public spaces and amenities. And that is is taking the lead on that one. So fab. There's something. Now, let's delve into this further. I think you can sense that the overwhelm and despondency um, is logical and real. And But I guess what we want to get into is how to counter that. So let's go, Andrea. Okay, so... Before we came on air, Andrea, you said that you were basically going to use this episode as therapy. <laughs> I assume... Public service broadcasting, I think it's called. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that I'm going to be the therapist. therapist. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to get my Dr. Melfi on and um, I'm just going to let you talk. Uh, oh <laughs> and then you just give me 80 euro at the end of this episode. So that... that that seems like a great deal for everyone. Perfect. So, okay, come on, hit me. I'm crossing okay. my legs here and I'm, I'm taking out my notepad. Okay, so I suppose as our introduction suggests every week, we delve into issues that are piquing our interest um, and we've always tried to provide solutions. Um, but all of a sudden, all the issues feel like it's literally nonstop and that they're all insurmountable because you're literally fighting, fighting, fighting and getting pushed back all the time. You have to fight for everything. And I feel like, I don't know if that's just me, but I, I like I've seen and felt this is not just me um, online and talking to other people, because when you have to fight for every single thing, like be it pedestrianization for our city streets, then you fight, fight, fight. And if you look at Cable Street, fight, fight, fight for Cable Street, they get the parking base, then they do a public inquiry or whatever. 
Consultation. Consultation. Everyone's like, yes, we want this. Then they're like, we're going to look into it. Then it's like, actually, we've already said Liffey Street's going to be pedestrianized, so we're not sure. Then people are like, we're trying to do the both of them. And it's like, okay, now we have to start fighting for that again, even though you've done all that thing. And it just feels like it's around and round and round and over and over again. Or like, if you have to keep like fighting for housing that does our city's justice, that isn't like like such shitholes that there's no light in the rooms, that the size of them are tiny, that literally regulations have been bypassed so people can make money. There's only so much you can take. And it feels like those people with money can just steamroll in, get their way. And as, and like as the world's burning around us and like, obviously we spend a lot of our time on the podcast talking against accumulation as a reason for being and why that isn't the answer for environmental reasons, for many reasons, like spiritual happiness, whatever. But when those are accumulating all the time, seem to be setting the goalposts, it feels exhausting. And then it kind of makes you question whether like, and I don't want to lose that because like that has been my guiding life for so long, but it feels like, um, after a pandemic for like or during as the case if we're still in it um russian ships are circling around it's like oh come on give me a break um and i think like we like what well, we like to think that i hope that one of the things our pod does is highlight the change we can make and be part of but as it feels a bit like a wear out at the moment for me um so i am looking to you to help me reinvigorate myself. Okay. Basically. And our listeners of like, if you feel like the fight is gone or at least in hibernation, maybe we could dance because like, obviously there's all the reason of the pandemic, but like, it just feels really hard to get back into like, like for example, there's all that stuff that I'd be like, okay, I'm going to take it on. And like, not just like take it on, but it feels like a community spirit of like, we can change things. But even like getting things done from before, it's like, oh, I just can't get into shit. And hmm. I've had so many people being like, oh, yeah, I just can't. Like something I would have like been able to whack out, let's say, in a few weeks before the pandemic has taken me months. I'm like, I just can't do this. Yeah. Um, and then on top of things where I would have like gone into things bright eyed and bushy tailed and maybe a little bit innocently being like, yeah, let's go for this. It's like, oh, what are you doing? That's absolutely mental. Like there's no way you can do that. Hmm. So it is a despondency that yeah. I need to. Well, I think, um, thank you for sharing. I relate and I understand. Um, and I think that you're talking. Insert empathy here. And I, and, I, <laughs> and I think that um, you're raising loads and loads of stuff. And I suppose that one of the things that's interesting to me is that the um, the things that you're discussing and the way that you're feeling I don't feel like this right now, but I have felt like um, like how you're feeling probably before the pandemic, probably 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, of all the things you're talking about. So I want to just get into some of the, the issues. Um, I'm going to talk about the, the, the stuff that you're highlighting in terms of the social change and the really basic shit that people want to mm-hmm. fix. But I think before then... What I think is really, really, really key at the moment is I think people are really underestimating the amount of drain and stress and wear out that the pandemic has caused. And I think that we, you know, you can talk about this constantly about 
you know, oh my God, an extraordinary event, blah, 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 unprecedented times and all the stress and all the, you know, and, but like, it's really important to, to kind of just remember that because that is true. It's been two years of insane difficulties. And even if you haven't particularly felt that you've been like the most affected person in the world or if you're not grieving or all of those other things that uh, or you haven't lost your job or things like that. The explicit stress and drain of it and the ambient stress and drain of it is massive. And like one of the things that we've actually had to do over the past two years is constantly negotiate any kind of act or gesture or anything like that be that wearing masks or, you know, jumping through all these hoops to even like have a meal outside or like go to a bar or not having all the kind of things that uplift us and like fill our systems with the like fizzing sparkle dust and glitter and amazingness stuff in terms of art and gigs and clubbing and all that kind of stuff. All of that has been absent for the most part. I know some of it is dropping back in now for people, but that is a massive, massive hollowing out all of our resources have been taken up with just surviving the moment and dealing with the moment and negotiating the moment. It is going to take a huge amount of time for those things to be um, regrown, I suppose, and refilled in our systems. And if you kind of think of like, you know, it's like after a forest fire or something, and like that's what a lot of our psyche is right now, and it'll take a long time, you know, for that to replenish. The red flower to pop up. Yeah. As exactly. did in David Attenborough's show the other day. The rose that grew from concrete. Um, so I think people really need to acknowledge that. And so when the feelings right now of like, I'm just like at the end of my tether, or I'm just worn out or I just don't have enough in me anymore to keep on this. And, and there's all this stuff like, you know, really important things, but sometimes relatively, relatively small things as well in terms of dysfunction in Ireland just gets to you and you look at another thing and you're like, oh my God, like I was heard last night of um, an, another kind of uh, cultural space that's being potentially demolished in Dublin. I'll need to confirm it. So I, I won't mention the thing. And I was just like, fucking hell, like this is just totally not cool. But then I was like, you know, don't let that in too much. You have to preserve. So the first thing that I would say is that in order to replenish those things, because there's been so little room for being uplifted, spontaneity and just carefree fun where you're not actually thinking about the constraints of the pandemic or the worry of it. I really feel what people should be doing right now is like trying to find a sense of release, socializing, having fun getting back human connection and the energy of other people and just having the crack for the sake of it. I think to go from, and like that, that's like that, that's not like just check out and don't give a shit about anything. It's actually really, really important if you want to be, you know, engaged and making a difference and taking up all these battles and participating in all this kind of stuff you have to look after yourself and you have to actually give yourself the energy, um, put it back into your body so that you can then transmit it back out into the world. So 
I have been feeling was feeling like I, I those feelings that you talk yeah. about that relate to especially like the dysfunction in Ireland or whatever and you're kind of just sitting around going how are these people in charge this is so corrupt looking at like entire streetscapes being demolished getting so frustrated with how crap like loads of things are from councils to politicians to planning to whatever is like I've been feeling like that for years and years and years <laughs> and like I've been writing about the th- stuff that you're talking about for like years like for mm-hmm. for you know most of my adult life like I mean I and I was there in 94 I was there in 94 um <laughs> So, and I'm just like, when you were talking about demolition there, I just was like, uh, I was like, when did I write a thing that like Dublin was basically completely fucked because of demolition? And it was actually quite late. It was July 2019 um, where I wrote a piece that like the demolition that was happening is taking Dublin to the point of no return. And like all of this stuff around um, how the city was going to be altered fundamentally, you know, in, in many ways, it's a done deal. Like all of all of this stuff that is now under construction, you know, th- this is stuff that was like planned and put in place and approved and, you know, financed all that kind of stuff years ago. You know, these 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 aren't things that are happening as a consequence of, of decisions that were made in the last 18 months or in the last two years. So it was very clear that all of this stuff was in train and it was very depressing. And, you know, the housing crisis underpinning all of that. And that's like really, really hard to deal with and it's hard to carry and it's hard to um, be engaged with it all the time. And like, I, I I get that acutely because I have to actually engage in it and find out all stuff that's actually just really fucking terrible and depressing, you know? And I suppose in maybe I was anticipating um, what that would feel like this year, this kind of like letdown of the pandemic because it's like, oh, you can all go out and do whatever you want. And then you're kind of looking around at the environment that you're in going, you know, so I basically just stopped using social media (laughs) as, as, as a mechanism that to detach myself from negativity with no action. Um, and that's been really helpful for me. I mean, occasionally I will go on Instagram and uh, put up, up a picture of a book which is all that I do on that platform but I really 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 feel that people who feel worse about the world or are you know and you can feel bad about the world and that actually be kind of an optimistic thing you know that you want to change it but I feel like people who are feel beaten down by the world Mm -hmm. and by Ireland or people who are just like I just can't take any more of this shit blah 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 I think there's probably a correlation with quite high social media use on that because Twitter is just so f- stupid. And I deleted it from my phone the other day. Brilliant. And that's like a really, really positive step because like I just can't with it at all, you know, and it's just accumulative. It's nonsense. And like the anybody can just be, a you know, an egoist and just you know, make hay from all of these tweets about how shit everything is. And like, that's fine. Go do it. But like, I fail to see where the action is emanating from that. It can also be a really good, um, uh, really, really powerful tool as all technology can be, all digital, like all social media can be in terms of mobilizing, activism, organizing, flash protests, all that kind of stuff. I completely understand that. So like 
if there's a way that you can maintain the social media that like is kind of active and is doing something. But this, like, you know, again, this is not an original thought. Doom scrolling, surrounded by negativity, snideness. uh, It's just, it is crippling. You know, it, it just basically stops you from acting. And that is, or or it just puts you in a, in a form that is not going to be useful for the changes that need to happen. So my tip around that stuff, and this also goes for like taking in too much news. Don't marinate, <laughs> like don't marinate yourself in all that kind of stuff all the time. People need to have boundaries when we we're gearing up for like a massive and more social change, right? For more protests, for a housing movement, for all this kind of stuff. The reason that you're feeling in this kind of low point about that, all of those things at, at the moment is because it's going to change because it's getting to kind of a rock bottom frustration type thing. And that is just an indication that something is going to explode. You know, that's always the way when it's always just like, fuck this. Then all of a sudden, the little red flowers start appearing and whether things are changing socially or whether kind of there's organizing happening and all that kind of stuff. But that's not going to happen if people are marinating in the anger and negativity with no resulting action from that. You need anger. You need people to point out all the shit that's wrong. (laughs) You know, that's basically what I do as a job. (laughs) But you have to have boundaries around what you're taking in all the time. It's no one's job, maybe apart from the people in government or politicians in generally, to be swimming in Ireland's nonsense 24-7. That is not your job. And swimming in better stuff can create the shift in yourself and the motivation to act in positive ways. And the kind of, you know, fake activism that happens on the internet, like where people are just like giving out about stuff or this, that and the other, like that people can trick themselves into thinking that that's acting, but it's not acting. And that can compound your frustration because you're putting all this energy into highlighting all this stuff or giving out about all this stuff or like agreeing with, you know, whoever is doing that the most, but it's not changing anything, you know? So everybody needs to understand that like interventions in the digital world are not necessarily interventions in the real world. And we need to have more interventions in the real world. This is a time for people to get real. It's a time for people to reconnect, to have a party, to hang out with their friends and discuss the things that you're saying so that ideas and ways of organizing and mobilizing can manifest. That may happen online. It certainly does actually, you know, and I think that there's loads of loads of recent examples of protests that garnered an awful lot of online discourse and that really helped their cause. But I think in the space between, if all you're experiencing is the grind and negativity, then maybe it's a good time to step away because that anger just swirls around. So like, I feel like do whatever you can. That's even a small thing that's either for you to put you in a better state of mind, that's something creative that you're putting out in the world, or that's actually engaging in the aspects of, you know, the general shitstorm that you can control, whether that's making an observation in a planning application, whether it's joining whatever little protest is going on in your locality, whether it's gravitating towards Katu or other organizations that are 
making actions because like one of the things that gave me the most energy ever was being at those cobblestone protests because there was this feeling of totally being ground down and oh my god I can't believe this is happening once you got out into the street and were like oh my god look at all these people here and the deadliness of of you know the musicians that were there and just the vibe you kind of felt like brill that's gas in the tank because sitting at home and not participating in that while being frustrated that change isn't happening is not gas in the tank it's just like inertia and stasis and like that is what benefits all of the shitbags who are trying to fuck up uh, the country so i also think that like small acts of disobedience that do no harm are really helpful I'm really enjoying, like the more people who are writing smart shit on the hoardings of bad developments right now, I'm here for that. It is inspiring. It's brilliant. You're not doing any damage. I mean, it's probably illegal. Who fucking cares? Ultimately, if if people want to go around and just like write loads of anti uh, whoever poetry on the walls and on the hoardings and and point out, you know, which ones used to be artist buildings and why this hotel developer is fucking up a skate spot and all that kind of stuff. That's a vibe because you're actually contributing to the resistance of the desecration of the public realm and public space that is happening in the city. And we should make a difference. Well, it would make a difference to me if I walked past some shitty ass development and there was something written about it that said to me that somebody else feels the same way that I do. That is encouraging. That solidarity. That's having a knowledge that your your point of view is being seen, and that other people also think this is trash. And it, like, you know, I, I feel like that we need to be engaging in acts of disobedience, be that protests that disrupt traffic, or you know, all that kind of stuff around any any of this kind of um, these movements that are coalescing. And I think also like a, a big thing <clears throat> that people have my parents are saying it all the time. Like, where is the housing movement, right? Where are the mass protests of like, cut the rents, freeze the rents? Where's the like, you know, occupation outside the Department of Housing? Where's where's all this stuff? Because the situation is so bad. It's so bad. But it's like, we're the housing movement. Every single person is the housing movement. The person who asks that question is the housing movement. So what kind of things can you do that make you feel like you could be contributing to change? Whether that's, and like this is really uh, evident during marriage equality and repeal movements because everybody used their own tools, their own language, their own access points. They're really porous movements. They didn't wait and didn't have leaders. They didn't like have instruction. People just took up their own vibe, whether that was creating you know, uh, starting conversations and creating groups and movements in their workplaces as you did, Andrea, whether it was like making repeal jumpers, which Anna Cosgrave did, whether it was, you know, postering around the place, whether it was graffitiing around the place, whether it was holding, you know, like events, uh, like, you know, talky events or fundraising events or all that kind of stuff. And it can feel quite diffuse at the moment because those are very specific things. They had like an intention, a goal, and the knew the mechanism by which that had to be achieved, which was a referendum. So this is kind of different, right? Because, you know, shitty planning, the feeling of like capitalism, just like hungry, hungry, hippoing everything and um, 
people being in charge who were just not up to scratch and the oppression of awful, awful architecture that is a blight on the capital city in particular and also in other Irish cities, of course, is just like, fuck this. Like, it makes you want to emigrate, you know, like it really does. But we have to connect with each other, talk to each other, start our own shit and start building this from the grassroots. And there are loads of groups and people doing stuff like this already. Like I mentioned Katu already. Anytime there's like a protest against a shitty development, join it. Because that's the housing movement. That's what's going to 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 start, you know, coming alive and, and connecting if people literally put themselves out into streets and small groups and start connecting with each other and building alliances and stuff like that. I know it sounds kind of like fucking well, you know, where is the tactic? Where is the gesture? Where is the give me the list of things to do or or that's not going to change anything and you're just actually talking up in the air and not down on the ground. But like something's going to happen. Like things are going to start to land in really real ways. It's been bubbling for a long time. Um, just the direction of the capital city in particular. Um, and all of this, it's just like, sad to think that like all of this happened because of these really regressive policies that were brought in as a result of the crash, like these kind of disaster capitalist type policies. And they were designed for a time uh, of economic emergency. And then Fine Gael just kept them there, you know, and, and, and so now in a time when actually we could be, when construction can happen and we could be doing all these different kind of things for people and not tourists or um, investment funds, you know, that's been taken away. And it's fucking like, it's terrible. You know, the the housing crisis is absolutely horrific. The planning that's happening in the city is stupid. The development of hotels, architecturally rotten, uh, you know, urbanism in the bin like design terrible, you know, like they're building a standard, the standard hotel on Sheriff Street. Like when you think of the fucking housing needs that people have in that area, you know, it's absolutely like it's, it's morally corrupt, you know, like it's uh, like, I am also angry and, and pissed off about all of this stuff that's happening. But I know that the consciousness has raised so much. It has raised so much how much more people are engaged in even what Dublin City Council does, how much more people are engaged in the planning process, how willing people are when they see a development like proposed like the Cobblestone and Merchants Arch to get out onto the streets, how mobilised people are at the same around Portobello Plaza and ensuring that that continues to be a public space that also serves the people who are using it like skateboarders and stuff, how much more people discuss about things, the amount of people who were doing petitions and engaging with Dublin City Council's pedestrianisation stuff on Capel Street. Like, that shit did not happen a few years ago. It just didn't. So the consciousness has raised hugely. And the more fucking annoyed you feel about it, it just shows how much more you care. So, like, talk about that with other people in a way that's like, what can we do? What will we do? Is there somebody that we can fucking link in with that we can go to one of their meetings or is this, oh, this thing is happening with this community. Well, I know that that's not my community, but I'm going to get on board with that as well. And then the network is created and then people have the information and they're primed emotionally through their engagement and then they're ready to rock, you know? 
because like these are our streets and and these are our cities and towns and you know this is this is a place that a lot of people in this country contributed hugely to like on a voluntary capacity for social change to happen and to have that thrown back in your face as a veneer by which to just enact all these stupid neoliberal market crapola policies with where nobody gets a good gaff but these investors get rich is abhorrent but it's people get that and 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 that's what's going to make the change so as sh- you know as 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 down as you might feel as down as the vibe might be, I think everything is going to change this year. I think everything is going to change this year. I don't know how that's going to show up, but I do think it is because people are pissed off and enthusiastic. They're engaged. They demand accountability. There's a lot of scrutiny going on. But I guess my advice would be, it's always good to stay out of the ego-y rage for the sake of it, uh, n- not providing kind of ideas or solutions aspect of that and the doom scrolling of it as well. So if you kind of swervy around those people and also just like realize that a lot of the strain is also coming from being in this two years and that, you know, you need, people need to have a bit of fucking rest and connection and just be kind to ourselves and have some fun because most of the best ideas are born you know, on the dance floor at a session or whatever, <laughs> like they are. So I would say be kind to yourself, yeah, <laughs> get, get, get off Twitter, <laughs> potentially forever. Um, think about what's working well, where and how, and how more of that can be done, what you can contribute in any kind of way, even if that's just like going to a protest, going to a meeting, whatever, <clears throat> supporting different things that are happening in that way. Um, and making our voices heard, you know, let's get, let's get the, let's get the t-shirts, let's get the jumpers, let's get the posters, let's get the graffiti, let's get all that shit going because 22, that's what's it's like, it's 2022 and shit's going to start to get real and I'm here for it. Did that help? Yes, Inna. (laughs) Woo! Okay, now it's time for getting the sea. Oh, I kind of want to skip that now after all that. Okay, let's skip it. Let's skip it. Do you want to go straight to It's Bananas? They're two crap things. They are two crap things. Okay, let's skip that and go straight to our fave bits. Okay, perfect. Okay, Andrea, I'm sorry for monologuing at you there for approximately half an hour. I really enjoyed it. And I'm glad that we're skipping Get In The Sea and It's Bananas because that would just ruin all the work we've just done there. Because I felt I was doing the work, even though I was listening. Well, that is doing the work. It's hard work to listen to me for 20 (laughs) minutes nonstop. (laughs) Um, Okay, here's some of my fake bits. One, it's like I sent an email to Neil Young because... After giving out that nobody was highlighting how bananas it was that Joe Rogan was not was being funded by Spotify for all his shit takes, Neil Young was like, "Look, you can either have me or Joe Rogan." Now, unfortunately, Spotify have sided with Joe Rogan and they're removing Neil Young's music. Absolute saps. Absolute saps. But and especially this week when fucking Jordan Peterson's on Joe Rogan saying that the climate doesn't exist. <laughs> climate change. This is like the total, exist. like, I'd, 
you know, what is, cl-? you know, it's just this classic, like, everything. like, you know, all these like knobs, you know, that you meet sometimes at like a dinner party or something or in the pub. And they're like, yeah, but the thing is, you know, laws aren't real, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, they aren't actually, that's a good point. But anyway, but you know, this kind of, this. Time is a construct. Yeah, yeah. Climate, the climate is nothing. The climate doesn't exist. Anyway, go on. Climate is everything. So how can the climate change? Because you haven't got any good measurements. Fuck Oh, just off, absolute absolute Anyway, so I, my fave bit is Neil Young. I salute you for taking a stand and... Look, I'm sorry the the cards didn't fall in your way, Neil, buddy. But <laughs> I'm glad you did it, and I'd like to offer my solidarity to you. Yes, there's uh, someone I'd with integrity. Like, yeah, I'd also like to offer my solidarity to the lineup of Ava in Belfast, mm-hmm. which I, oh my God, it's a very northern theme for my fave bits this week. Uh, I'm very excited to go to Ava. I have everything booked, ready to roll. I'm going up to Titanic quarter. I might even do the Titanic day because I've never done it before. And then I'm going to rave uh, to loads of wonderful music. It's a Whopper lineup. Bicep are having their homecoming. And Jemadon Levy is going up, as is Mango Mathman, which is uh, fab. So the Mer- district put up a, a little meme on their Instagram of like, the best music of the North and the best music of the South coming together in Belfast. Go on. This could be, this, Ava could be the beginning of the unification of Ireland. <laughs> Fucking yeah, let's go. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I also did, John Hopkins is, is playing as well. He is, correct. Lo- there's loads of Whopper, Whopper, Whopper things playing. Uh, I went to see Belfast. It's really good. <laughs> wow, I'm so glad you're on the Oscar committee this year, Andrea, because <laughs> I'm going to see it. Um, I'm going to see it on Sunday. I'm doing a double bill of Belfast and... Oh, no, that's wrong. I'm going to see Belfast maybe tonight. On Sunday, I'm doing a double bill of Macbeth and West Side Story. Oh, West Side Story is great. And I do... I'm meant, I was meant to go and see Macbeth last week. So, yeah, back in the cinema vibes, I'll be able to catch up on my cinema chat um, and move it past Fast and Furious and Made in Manhattan perhaps for a while. <laughs> By Although, the way, the, the, um, I saw, I did have to look at our United Ireland uh, Twitter thing to post the Byland episode or whatever. Um, what Marry Me, the Jennifer Lopez movie, official account keeps tweeting us because we tweeted the trailer once and I'm like, just picture like Jennifer Lopez sitting at her MacBook Air at United Podcast. Why aren't they replying? So if you're listening, producers and stars of Marry Me, um, give us a cinema to do a double screening of that and made in Manhattan for our listeners. Oh my God. And a free bar. I did send that email. I'm going to follow that email up. Uh, but yes, Belfast was great. Uh, and Marry Me is out in two weeks. Woo! Are you buzzing? We're going to that together. We are. Are you buzzing? Yeah, it's our Valentine's date. <laughs> And finally, oh my God, I've never felt like such a dickhead in my life, okay? I was, Roshi Murphy's playing in at the Olympia. Obviously, I jizz for Roshi Murphy, as we all know. But I was on my computer trying to book tickets and I had to keep refreshing the page. And I was like, this is so frustrating. 
I have been following Roisin Murphy. <laughs> I went to see her in the village. Who are these people who are booking these tickets? I bet. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, I was yeah. at that gig in the village. I was, yeah. I remember that. Oh, so good. But like, I got so frustrated that <clears throat> like, I've liked her longer than these like people. I don't even know who they are. And they, I probably don't. And I was like, you're a fucking dick. Don't you know those grumpy old men who are like, yeah, well, I've been a, a fan of that band for so long. I was like, oh my God, you need to get a grip and get out there and stop being an asshole. But I got my tickets. But you didn't say this anywhere publicly. You weren't like no, in, in your head. Yeah. And I've now just put it in my podcast. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to be real popular in the crowd at that show. Don't you know the way? Like, yeah, I know. You'd be raging. You'd be raging. Like, we're the OG I fans. Like, I didn't get to go to this. And I've wanted to go to so many other things. That would be really unfair. I got my ticket. So everyone can calm down <laughs> and relax because I got them. Well, I'm delighted that you got your tickets. Um, my fave bits. Did I talk about Mayor of Easttown already? Mm, probably not. I finally watched Mayor of Easttown after being told, you know, by everyone to watch it. And obviously I'm really late to the party. God, it's very good, isn't it? <laughs> very good. Now, I have to say. Just like Belfast. Very good. <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. Fucking Kate Winslet. Yes. Um, She's another one that has principles. She does. Um, although now. Neil Young and Kate Winslet was she not married out. to um, what's his face James Cameron no was she not who was married to was she not married to him oh no that was um, uh, blah 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 your one who directed Point Break and Zero Dark Thirty Catherine Bigelow she was married to James Cameron wasn't she you know, I don't follow this, the marriages of actors. I just follow their art, you know. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. Anyway, super enjoyed Mare of Easttown. Everybody who was telling me to watch it, you were all right. So well it's done. It's like that other program I really want to watch that is out. Not Succession. The other one where they're all, it's about drugs. Breaking Bad? <laughs> no, Granny. <laughs> that was about 10 years ago. <laughs> Um, I, I, you didn't say that you were referring to a contemporary television production, Andrea. No, it, it obviously is. It's uh, Euphoria. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I need to watch that as well. I watched the first couple of episodes and it didn't really click with me, but, you know. You're into Breaking Bad. I'm old, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> According to that, well, it's true. Okay, and my other fave bit is um, I binged in one night the final season of Insecure. Um, so you're really getting out there and connecting. I'm really getting out the streaming services and just like... Well, shut up because I actually have a real world interaction later in my favourites. Anyway, Insecure season five, just fantastic. So if you haven't caught up on that, I would recommend... Um, my other fave bit is something that I am going to see this weekend and I'm glad that I think it's been extended, which is the map at Red Rua, or Rua Red in um, oh, Tala. It looks so fab. Yeah, apparently. It's up to Alice. Alice Mar. Mar. And yeah, loads of people yeah. are involved in it and it's apparently just like this awesome big like tapestry thing, um, textile piece, not tapestry, te- well, maybe some of it is. Um, anyway, so I'm going out to see that and that's running until March 12th. 
oh yeah, we can have like a date, gallery date as well. Oh my God. Just after marry me. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> really like escalating here to actually being life partners, which is cute. Um, so my other fave bit was last night I had a pint of creamy Guinness in the Hacienda. Finally, you got out. <laughs> and it was glorious. It was so nice. Um, go on. I broke my dry January and went to Library Street for dinner, which was stunning. Okay, great. I, 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 I put that in my favorites. Yeah, I also broke my dry January. I actually broke but it I last, put, last Saturday. Breaking my dry January and I put like Library Street. It's really delicious. Amazing. Very good. Um, very good. Very great. good. <laughs> so yeah, it was just so nice to be back in the Hacienda and yeah, just like... It's, it's like the Hacienda, not just like this little tiny blip in the middle of all this high development. Everything's like been knocked down around it. Yeah, everything's like, been knocked down around it. Um, <sighs> yes, uh, that may pose some issues. The Hacienda was delicious though. But the point was delicious and it was great to be back. Shout out Shay. Um, my other fave bit is a project art centre right now in Dublin in Temple Bar. There is a exhibition on the Derry Film and Video uh, Workshop Collective. Um, which was kind of like a DIY um, uh, film collective. Uh, and it's well worth checking out. Super interesting. Um, so I enjoyed that. And then just some bits that I've been doing this week, um, now that I'm not shouting on social media anymore, <laughs> I have to communicate to you through the CB radio. Uh, there's a podcast called Constitutional Futures, which is about discussions on constitutional futures of this island and discourse around United Ireland and so on. Um, that's uh, uh, it's Professor Colin about Harvey. An United Ireland rather than an Ar- United Ireland podcast. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Colin Harvey, um, who's a professor in Queen's um How's that? So if you just like search constitutional futures, you'll be able to listen to an interview that I did on that this week. You know what? It's actually, I'm going to recreate it from because they created uh, United Ireland. Oh, cool. Fab. Thanks for doing that. And um, also I wrote a piece this week for Open Democracy about how Ireland is a really in a unique and very positive position to tackle violence against women. So you can also read that on Open Democracy. And now it's time for Book of the Week. Book of the Week. Okay, so book of the week ties in with my how to not lose the rag monologue from earlier. Um, it was loaned to me by friend of the pod, Connor Habib. It's called Lost in Thought, The Hidden Pleasures of an Intellectual Life by Zena Hitz, who's also a recent guest on Connor's podcast, Against Everyone with Connor Habib, which you should support on Patreon and definitely listen to. He also has a really amazing recent podcast with this awesome tarot woman, Jessica Dore, I think her name is. Um, so this po- this book is basically about like, it's a nonfiction book. It's about kind of the pleasures of just like having an intellectual life and, um, you know, in, in a world uh, where everything and everyone is judged by their usefulness, what is the power of like contemplation and artistic connection and why it's important just for the sake of it instead of broadcasting oneself um, uh, uh, one's intellectual prowess or like a, 
achieving careerist goals by being smart. It's actually just like for the sake of it, you know, engaging in art and creativity and um, theory and literature is makes a rich life. And I think one of the things that... I bet you there's a chapter in there on NFTs, is there? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Well, as one of my, I make these little zines, as you know, Andrea, and one of my ones, I was looking back over some of the ones that I made during the pandemic. And one of them, which I don't even remember making was called make Bitcoin from mindfulness. <laughs> um, so well, it, it's a really, really I've, I've just started reading it actually, but it's already really great. And it kind of calls back to the whole thing of this, um, the topic today, because when people ask me what I did during the pandemic or like, how did you get on? Like, the main thing that I did was read and um, it's standing to me really well because I just think that like reading it is, is fundamental. Um, but it's also like the, the quickest, cheapest, most enriching and uh, most proven path to self-improvement because like self-knowledge, self-examination, all that kind of stuff um, comes from diverse and plentiful reading. And I kind of just want to like reinsert that into the earlier discussion that we were having in the pod because I just feel like if I could take back all of the time that I wasted on the internet or on social media and that was replaced with like hours spent reading more books, I would be really fucking happy. And I, I, th I just like, I think that, you know, in years to come, you know, this idea of like strip mining our social lives and our inner lives for content for Facebook, <laughs> which owns Instagram and like performing all of these kind of like accoutrements of our lives to project this idealistic version of ourselves that we then find back find reflected back at us that we cannot live up to that creates this massive chasm between the real and projected, which is where most of contemporary anxiety is dropping into is really, really destructive. And I think if people are considering like positive moves for this year or what they can do to help themselves, you know, unless it's your actual job, you know, to like make money from Instagram or whatever. Like I would really, really recommend pulling away from those kind of things. And I would really, really recommend pulling away from, you know, Twitter and things like that. Um, I don't engage in, in, am I, if I'm not that? <laughs> yeah, well, I just feel like I, I, I'm kind of learning a lot about myself through my creative practice over the past few years. And, um, I'm not like, a, you know, a super duper reader. Like I try, like I, I try and read, you know, more than a book a week, but like, I'm not like mad academic about it or whatever, but it just like sitting with yourself and contemplating new ideas and how they add to your own understanding of the world is one of the most important things anyone can do. And the older I get and the more I see how fritzed and anxious a lot of people are with regards to the maintenance of their digital selves, the more glad I am that I'm never hooked into that overly because it is like an addiction, you know, and all other addictions in our society are, there's at least attempts to like heavily regulate them, you know, like alcohol and drugs and gambling and all those kind of things. And yet 
social media, which we know and constantly say is like, well, it's, you know, designed to be addictive, but nobody's taking the next steps to be like, well, that's really damaging because if loads of people are walking around as addicts to their phones, to content, to this manufacturing of like their self, their, which is which is also really different to um, drug and alcohol addiction and that gambling and stuff like that, because it has a different kind of uh, psychological impact you know, that's, that's really damaging. And I think that people should just like really, really start to, to pull back from that. And, you know, this is a conversation that I've been repeating for, you know, well over 10, 15 years about how insidious and damaging the internet and the digital spheres and virtual spheres can be and how they pull them, how they pull us away from ourselves. And I know it's a privilege to be offline. I completely understand that, you know, and I know it's a privilege to not be having to do the hustle all the time. I, I totally get that. Um, but I think it's also really important when we're feeling overwhelmed to actually just do a little bit of disappearing and the quieter you become, the more you can hear. And actually that is going to be our Sunday Soothe episode, isn't it? Retreat. Retreat. So that is Lost in Thought, The Hidden Pleasures of an Intellectual Life. That's our book of the week. This podcast is produced by Andrew Mangan at Castaway Media. Crystal Clear gave us his chin chicken roll for our soundtrack. Sarah Fox did all our design. This week's chin and chicken roll. I've got two, so I'm going to let you have the final choice. They are Lights Out, which is the new Fred again, Romy and Ty song, which is a banger. And then also, because I got my tickets to Roisin Murphy uh, simulation, but the Manola Tough remix mm. Uh, so okay well I'll ask you a question what would make you happier both of them let's play both of them I've been Una Mulally I've been Andrea Horan this has been United Ireland and that was you're a total wear out <laughs> But my heart won't break I won't let it now Only with the lights out Will I ever give up again I go dancing with my friends When you let me down Someone tell the night sky That I never wanted to bend Now my heart won't I won't let it now